Styles. He was looking fine. He was. He, I must admit, he was. He was looking so fine. Like I said before, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Harry Styles fan. Uh-huh. I like him, but then this with this movie, I'm a much more of a Harry Styles fan <laughs> than yeah. I was before. Welcome to the Art of Costume Blogcast. I'm Elizabeth Joy Glass. And I'm Spencer Williams. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Spencer. How's it going? <laughs> it's going. Welcome back. Season three. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. One and all. <laughs> How have you been? I've been fine. I, um, I completely finished The Big Bang Theory and caught all the way up with young Sheldon. So I've accomplished a lot. Wow, that that's good to hear because every time I ask you if you watch this or watch that, it's always Big Bang Theory, which is pretty frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. So um <laughs> I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> now that won't be the answer. <laughs> How about you? I've been hibernating for a few weeks. I uh, noticed. Yeah, so that's been really good. Um just watching lots of TV, lots of movies. I've been cleaning nonstop, um, binge eating, all the destructive things. Dude, but I have been cleaning, so that's good. That's good. But like all the holiday eating, like I've eaten so many cookies <laughs> in the past month. It's like not okay. And then my mom made more cookies last night and I'm like, well... Ugh, well, you I have to. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I had a serious binge eating attack last night. I I was getting ready to watch one of our uh, movies we're gonna have on the podcast soon. I went to Target for some reason. I was so stressed. I went and got alcohol, and then I got ice cream, and then I went to McDonald's and got chicken nuggies and fries. Like I had a real. Are you okay? That is very unlike you. I haven't fully reintegrated into society yet after hibernation. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard you do something like that. Yeah, it was really unlike me. I don't even like McDonald's, but for some reason I was like, I need a spicy Coke and fries. I was going to say, what? No, no in and out? Like, (laughs) I didn't want to wait in line. That's how desperate I was, you know? I I understand that, but you know where you don't have to wait in line, Spencer? <laughs> uh, I think I know where you're going with this. In Victory, this week we watched Don't Worry, Darling. Oh, gosh, this movie was wild. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. The hype to be... around this movie was wild. <laughs> yeah, everything about this movie was wild. I've been so excited to see this movie. The hype was stupid crazy for it. Yes. All the drama was so ridiculous. And like so many people told me I wasn't going to like it. And I watched it and I actually really liked this movie. So yeah, it, was... it was a little extra on all of your parts. <laughs> Not yeah. you, but everyone listening and talking to us. <laughs> Society, you were a bit much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I like I had no interest in watching it like I like Harry Styles but I'm not like a big Harry Styles fan so I wasn't like crazy like oh I gotta watch it for Harry Styles and I like Florence Pugh but again it wasn't like oh I have to watch this for Florence Pugh and then just so much happened around it right. and then I saw the trailer and the trailers were so pretty I was like well, I guess I'm going to watch this now. <laughs> right. It had all the ingredients to a movie that you and I would 
definitely want to watch. So, and yeah. you know, I love the costume designer. I'm a big Florence Pugh fan. I mean, I'll watch anything. I mean, I have, let's just be real. I have a huge crush on Florence Pugh. You do. And then Harry Styles, of course. So I had to see what, what he's about in his first big film, not counting the Eternals. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This, this was a movie. It was interesting. <laughs> I think you liked it more than I did. Definitely. Yeah. I could tell as soon as I start texting you, I was like, I loved it. And it was like, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> so like the first time I saw, I saw this back in October in the theater. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that, that was a film. Okay. <laughs> and then I think I liked it better the second time around when I watched mm. it, like in the comfort of my own home. <laughs> Right. I wish I watched it in theaters. It's on HBO Max, everyone, just so you know. Yeah. But I don't... I'm like, so many questions. (laughs) I'm like, can someone just take this and make like a (laughs) miniseries out of it? Or like a TV... Like, it's like this would make a great HBO show. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. Just call it Victory. Right. Because I would have liked one episode... I guess we should give our spoiler warning now. Oh, <laughs> if you yeah. haven't seen Don't Worry Darling, now's your chance to turn us off and come back in, yeah. <laughs> in an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. I We're spoiling everything. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked an episode in a mini series like when Florence Pugh's character wakes up. That would have been cool. That's yeah. what I wanted. But, but I think we all get the point. She woke up in this real crusty apartment next to a dead Harry Styles. <laughs> Covered yeah. in tuna cans and cat food and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like even at the end when Gemma Chen is like, "It's my turn," I'm like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's wild. But you know what, Spencer? Why don't you give us a summary? All right, don't worry, darling. Alice and Jack lived in the idealized community of Victory, an experimental company town that houses the men who work in a top-secret project. While the husbands toil away, the wives get to enjoy the beauty, luxury, and debauchery of their perfect paradise. However, when cracks in her idyllic life begin to appear, exposing flashes of something sinister lurking below the surface, Alice can't help but question exactly what she's doing in Victory. And that is Don't Worry Darling. That is Don't Worry Darling. Once again, we haven't spoiled anything yet. So like... Well, except the ending, but that's that's it. it. I didn't say why Gemma Chen said it was her turn. Right. So this is your very last chance to get out of here. Right. Because you got to watch this movie to believe it. (laughs) But going behind the wardrobe, we have director Olivia Wilde. And costume designer, Ariane Phillips. You will know her work from The Crow, Girl Interrupted, Walk the Line, Kingsman, The Secret Service, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And she has designed like the majority of Madonna's music videos and tours over the last like 20 some odd years. Yeah, Ariane is a certified badass. Um, I didn't know she did The Crow. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. I love The Crow. Um, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, I think, my favorite Tarantino film. I love that movie. Yeah, I I still need to see it, but I I've love seeing like images from it because it is beautiful. She did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really interesting. In a lot of these, the interviews for Don't Worry, Darling, she was also asked about Don't Worry or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
And I was like, come on, let's let's keep it on track. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come on, people. This was one of the first films to kind of get shut down by COVID even before it started pre-production, which was supposed to start March 15th of 2020. But that was the day of the lockdown. So they were like, oh, <laughs> I think we all remember that week very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, OK. And when Ariane talked to the Costume Designers Guild, she said, I was worried that was the end of it. And she found the whole process of designing during the lockdown daunting. She talked about her first time meeting with Chris Pine to the Costume Designers Guild. She said, I knew I'd probably only get two fittings with him. And he had a lot of costumes. I want an actor to feel comfortable in the fittings because let's face it. We're the only department that can say, hi, nice to meet you. We're going to put some clothes on you. Get naked. <laughs> nice. So she was, she didn't know what to do. Cause she was like, how do I like get these actors to like, trust me and collaborate with me when like, I can't even meet them right. in real life. So she did like what a lot of us did and got on zoom. She said, we spoke while they were in the comfort of their own homes. I listened to their ideas and we discussed the character before the fitting. I'll carry that with me as an incredible asset. During COVID, we all learned how to communicate remotely. I felt like I got more input than I would have normally. Having this creative connection during such a challenging time was a gift. Mm. So she was like, okay, not ideal, but she made the best of it. And you can really tell from how it all came together, how, you know, all the actors, I will say they look so comfortable, like in their costumes, like they really do look like they're just like sitting around in their day to day clothes, which for a period piece, sometimes it doesn't always feel that way, but they all look very relaxed in the colorful world of victory. Uh, she said to L.com, color and silhouette are always my first approach when designing, especially in this period. Mid-century film design is built into literally the way Victory is designed. You see the little model that is in the prop in the movie. Mm. So she's very right. That whole like the whole like Hollywood like look of the mid-century is literally just what Victory is. Right. Yeah. It's all once you like see the movie and you kind of go back, you're like, this is just like one big Disneyland set, you know, yeah. <laughs> that you would like walk into mid century world or whatever. Yeah. There were definitely like backlots that looked exactly like this with like yeah. prop homes and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> everything. And because she's designed for this period quite a bit. And again, talking to Costume Designer Guild. She said, when I design a period film, I always love the mixture of made to order and the real thing. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of originals from this time period that are in great shape. Luckily, we were working with Western Costume. Eddie Marks and his assistant, Kristen Ann, were fantastic. We built many costumes in the workroom. We also had an incredible pattern maker and fitter, Joanne Mills, from local 705 building in-house mm. so which i never really thought of that before but i'm like that's probably true like this is one of the first time periods where like 
made to wear kind of like not fast fashion yet, but faster fashion was, you know, coming in to the picture. So yeah, those clothes were worn. They were worn a lot. And like, no, they're probably not day-to-day wear is probably not in great shape. Right. It's so interesting that once we get into the film though, but like, remember that scene when they're like at the store and they're buying clothes, like right off these bottles. Like, it's kind of like a crazy way to think about it's these men designing this world and they're like Mm -hmm. coming up with these like ultra high fashion looks that are still kind of modern in a sense, but trying to be this mid-century look. I don't know. It's kind of a mind. (laughs) I I found that all really interesting. Not that I heard it talked about a lot, but there is like of there's a very modern feel to all of it. I mean, just in like the diversity of a victory you can see like there's that kind of modernization because if if this was like a true period piece like victory would not be that diverse right and then but you do also see it in the clothes like the first thing that kind of like made when i first saw i was kind of taken aback was when they're at the pool Mm -hmm. that first time with like the new wife Right. And a woman like walks behind them without a top on. She's got bikini bottoms and no top. Right. I, okay. And so I, I did like, see that. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of like taken aback and I was like, because before I realized the twist was like, oh, she's in a virtual world. I was like, wait, how are they all okay with this? Yeah. Like no, no one was batting an eyelash. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's a very modern, that's very modern. Like their yeah. values haven't changed being put into this world it's just the whole aesthetic is mid-century but they're still living with a 21st century mindset that is so wild i thank you for bringing that up because i haven't thought about that part yet and this Mm -hmm. whole thing is like this screwed up you know metaverse i would say designed by men yeah so of course there's women walking around topless because this is all designed in the eyes of men so it's all wow, my brain is literally exploding right now. Because it's true, like, that would not happen in the actual mid-century. No. So, like, it's all wild. So the whole thing is, you know, pretty creepy if you're looking at from a costume design point of view, which really points to the genius of Ariane Phillips. Exactly, exactly. And I cannot wait to get into it some more because she has done quite a few interviews but uh, after this little breaky break, Spencer, are you ready to jump into it? I, I gotta go lay down after that behind the wardrobe fact. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'm ready. Let's take a quick break. Actually, let's be real. For the first like 45 minutes of this film, I was actually like, eh, it's kind of nice. Actually, I could picture myself in victory. Honestly, if I was like Bunny and I was like given the choice, I'd be like, yeah, right. let's do it. Yeah. Some <laughs> consent forms, perhaps, you know, I, I get yeah. it. <laughs> I because just like, look at this. Look at this. It's beautiful. And she talked to Vogue about it. Aria said, At first, I worked in a primary palette that was very bright and exciting. 
it was very reflective of victory and that Palm Springs world that you think you see oh. as victory. I think that was my favorite part of the costumes actually was the color palettes. It was so bright yeah. and vibrant, very Palm Springs. I mean, I had to look up to make sure it was in Palm Springs, but it's just mm-hmm. if anyone's ever been to Palm Springs, this is just the ideal life. It's perfect, very colorful, vibrant. I, I loved it. That was my favorite part. It was so beautiful. And it was just like, you know, it's just like ladies in beautiful clothes sitting around buying more beautiful clothes. Like just that 1950s, 60s, like idealized world, which seems wonderful until you realize they're all trapped there. Right. (laughs) They're trapped in a really messed up men's universe, metaverse type of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, But like we're talking about, you don't know that at first. Mm Mm-mm. Ariane talked to MSN about this. She said, well, I was very aware that the audience is experiencing victory in real time with Alice. We're trying to figure out what victory is all about as well. I really wanted to design a film that was beautiful and seductive and really leaned into the mid-century design so that the audience would be would also be seduced by victory and it would be beautiful. And I was like, <laughs> you succeeded. Yeah, mission I was accomplished. Seduced. <laughs> Consider myself seduced. <laughs> Job well done. Yeah. And she kind of elaborated even more to L.com saying, they're this idealized rat pack culture. There is an elegance in the way the men dress in the 60s. We're leaning into that veneer and facade of presentational dress for men and women and the societal societal expectations of women at the time. It's like you leaned all the way in the best way possible. (laughs) Yeah. And at first you don't really realize that a hundred percent, but especially once you finished a movie and you look back at it, like we are like, yeah, that's exactly what was happening the entire time. I'm getting Mm -hmm. such a better appreciation for this movie as we're talking about this. It's so cool. Yeah, (laughs) It's, Uh, My only problem with the movie is like it's not explained well enough. Like I don't think they got their point across very concisely. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like everything aside from that, everything else is just like gorgeous and beautiful and like everything's pointing in the right direction. But like like, I don't feel like they quite got their point across for me i think i got the point i think it's just a little bit more read between the lines which is why i think it ends the way it does where it just kind of goes black like i you get what i understand what you're saying but at the same time once you like kind of sit back you're like okay this is probably what happened but either way so beautiful seductive is exactly the right word i would use for it and talk about seductive Florence Pugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very seductive. <laughs> I think Florence Pugh is just one of the greatest actresses of like our generation. She's she is. so fantastic. Um, she's really like amazing at horror films too. I mean, Midsummer, this, it's it's so spooky. She's really great at it. She is. She is. She's perfect. And, like, have you seen Little Women? Uh-huh. Yeah, she's great in that, too. Yeah. She, like, I'm, like, she plays all these different roles. Like, is she, there's nothing she can't do. Right. And then she's uh, Yelena and Black Widow and, you know, yeah. the MCU. She's just perfect. She is the moment. She is. She is. And Peepa Three Stytier talked to Vogue about the makeup for Florence a little bit. She said... 
She has pink and peach colored lipsticks that contrast with the other red lips. She starts out with pinks, peach, shimmery white and black liner and slowly starts to unravel a no makeup with muted and natural tones of brown and beige. And I was like, that's really true. Like, cause her, her wardrobe through even like her unraveling is still very like put together. Right. I think it's hard to be a woman in this quote unquote time period and not ever look not put together. Like, yeah, well, I think that the way that this environment is designed is, you know, there is no such thing as like a not put together outfit. You know, they're just yeah. being fed these incredible high fashion moments, but doesn't mean she has to do her makeup the same every day, you know? Yeah. Like hair and makeup are one of the few things that like kind of show she's like coming apart. Right. And I do love like even just like the change from like that first scene where she's in that black and red dress with the balancing the cocktail uh, <laughs> on her head. <laughs> <laughs> so good. To like that all black look when she sees the plane go down. I was fascinated with the fabrics in all of her looks. It's just so many great prints. They're very uh, sophisticated, colorful, lots of like floral prints because she's, you know, she's very vibrant and sunny. Alice is kind of like the sun in this situation because that's how Jack kind of sees her as the sun, you know, because mm-hmm. in the real world, he sees this poor, sad skeleton of a girl laying on the bed gets back in and she is the radiance that he's looking for in his life. So I yes. love all the prints on her. Yeah. And Ariane told Elle that she made most of Florence's costumes out of vintage fabric from the period, as well as Harry's suits that were tailored. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. this is mostly vintage and you can't tell, which is beautiful. And it just, it lends so much like like authenticity and like kind of vibrance mm-hmm. to it that I don't think it would have otherwise. Um, but I do love like the tailoring for Florence's costumes is so impeccable. And I think it is one of those things that leads a little more modern. Right. It's yeah. like extremely tailored fitted, like completely cinched in waist, you know, pulled up bust. Like everything is like, perfect perfect yeah because they're in this perfect world so of course everything's going to be perfectly fitted to her as a character um because otherwise the world wouldn't be considered perfect in the eyes of these creepy ass men which is Mm -hmm. why i love the look she wears when she returns back from her uh trip to the the (laughs) whatever that was the spa i would say (laughs) um comes back and she's wearing this super hyperactive like floral print perfectly tailored um and the print is just so loud and it's just like really saying to everyone like she's perfectly fine everything's normal she loves it here i mean there's so much character development in all of her costumes but so Mm -hmm. subtle it the way that Ariane does this is so subtle and it's perfect like it is. i want to give her a high five right now it's so good and like so one thing i noticed is every time like she's close to knowing the truth and close to figuring out she's wearing all white mm, yeah like the first time at the dinner party when she's definitely like no 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 
Like something's wrong with this place. She's an all white. And then again, at the end, she's an all white. Yeah. And I'm like, was that intentional? Cause then when she sees the plane go down, she's an all black. Interesting. Cause yeah. she's like, I'm like, cause she's completely trapped in this fantasy. And then each time she almost gets out, she's wearing white. And I'm like, I wonder. Yeah, the time she does get out, she's covered in her man's blood. <laughs> yeah. So, oof. That was another thing. I'm like, why do they die in real life if they die here? Um, I kind of got the impression that they, um, it was kind of like a brain thing or something. Like they have like a little bit of Maybe. a stroke or aneurysm or I don't know. It's not a perfectly, you know... You just you just gotta walk <laughs> past <about> that. Story. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about Alice. I'm ready to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Harry Styles. I mean, Harry he Styles. was looking fine. <laughs> he was. He, I must admit, he was. He was looking so fine. <laughs> and like I said before, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Harry Styles fan. Uh-huh. I like him. I think he's a wonderful artist. But then this with this movie, I'm a much more of a Harry Style fan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. than I was before. <laughs> um, I loved all of his costumes. He looked impeccable. I mean, of course, which is mm-hmm. the point as we've been getting at. But yeah. he really did look great. He looked so good. And because I think the fact that my because I was worried about him in this movie because I saw him in Dunkirk mm-hmm. and like. Not his best performance, but then also his first performance. So who can blame him? And then this, I'm like, you're looking fine. Your acting is incredible. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. I saw him gain a little bit of like online hate. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." I don't know. Like that good job. That entire scene when he was in the car and kind of like having a full on meltdown. I was sold. I thought, yeah, I thought he was killing it right there so i was like yes sir yes sir you do look like the whiny child man that you are (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a good way to say it ariane talked about working with harry styles a bit to msn she said i think harry was more curious about the process being new to acting he's a brilliant performer i think the thing about harry styles that's so genius is that he does play with clothing in a way that is super bold and playful and at times non-binary there's a curiosity there it was almost odd to put harry styles in these 50s clothes because he has an incredible personal style to see him in such a character really embracing that rat pack bro culture that I don't think of him as. To his credit, he looked so good in the clothes. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Harry did have to become a little bit of a bro, which is so not Harry. Yeah. But he pulled it off. I mean, he deserves a little bit of credit here. Absolutely. And this is kind of like the contrast between them is kind of where you can see like, because she's right, he is much more 50s. And I would say like Florence Pugh, she's like a little bit more 60s in terms of like the style they're going for Mm -hmm. so like i love how she took that like ideal of like the 50s 60s all-american culture and just like boiled it down to like one cohesive look right exactly oh so good looks so good (laughs) so amazing also who looked amazing and played such a good bad guy even though i do not think of him as a bad guy 
Chris Pine. Uh, oh, man. This is where we differ. I'm not a big Chris Pine person. I don't know. He kind of gives me the, as the kids say, the ick. Really? Oh, yeah. my gosh. I love Chris Pine. Maybe it's because he was in The Princess Diaries. <laughs> he's in the second movie. He's the he's the love interest in the second movie. And I've also watched a lot of like interviews and stuff of him. <laughs> and he just seems like a lovely, fun person. And well, I, I will do... say he did a really good job in this film. I mean, he, I, he sold that like cult leader kind of culture we've been basically guessing at in this movie. Yeah. I thought he nailed it. Yeah, he did. He did. And Ariane talked about working with him to MSN again. She said, oh, it's all Chris Pine about his performance. I love his work in this movie. Chris personally likes to be barefoot a lot. The scene when everyone's at his house and they're talking about him and Shelly's house, then changing the world. And it's the exterior scene by the pool. Chris wanted to do the scene barefoot. And I'm like, a hundred percent. Frank has this cocky cult leader confidence and he's gorgeous. He looks like the perfect man and figurehead. The kind of man that I think men and women want to be and are in love with. He has that in spades. So costumes really didn't do much. I just had to underscore what he was doing already. Right. <laughs> Maybe he just plays this plays this role so well, but I just he plays a cult leader so well. <laughs> it's like yeah. bleeding into real life for me. He was so good at it. Uh, truly. <laughs> truly. And it's like, when you think about it compared to everybody else's costumes, yeah, he doesn't have super elaborate costumes. Mm -hmm. They're all very simple. Like, I mean, the party scene is the only time like he wears a tie that I can think of. The rest of the time, it's like very casual, very plain, like black and white, nothing too crazy. I love the look he wears by the pool at his party that um like duo toned look with the black and like the I guess kind of like a light tan look. Yeah. I mean that is one of my favorite costumes. It's very 50s 60s, very sophisticated, makes him look so muscular and hot mm-hmm. and you know, it really does everything. I didn't realize he was barefoot. But now that I know that he's barefoot, I mean, that is a excellent choice. Sometimes the choice in costuming is no costume. And that said everything, that's way more cult leader than if he was wearing shoes. Truly, truly. (laughs) What was also fabulous was Dita Fontese. Yes. Her scene. I wish that scene was a little, they showed her a little bit more. Right. Because like the second time around watching it, I was like, oh, they only show like clips of her performance. And it's like, you have Dita Von Teese. Like, what are you doing? Right. They cut back and forth. It reminded me in The Fifth Element when the diva's singing and they keep yes. cutting to the fight scene. I'm like, I want to see Dita Von Teese, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the story of how she got in the film is really interesting because her and Ariane are longtime friends. Oh. And I believe That's not neighbors. surprising. Yeah, (laughs) not surprising. And uh, she, you know, kind of talked to Olivia and was like, oh, wouldn't Dita Von be great in this? And Olivia was like, oh, yeah, she would. And was like, okay. Ariane was like, let me let me send her a text. (laughs) (laughs) So Ariane sent her a text and Dita Von immediately said yes, because her tour had been canceled due to COVID. Oh. So Ariane and Olivia went over 
to Vontese's house to just go through her costumes. Wow. And they chose this Swarovski crystal encrusted piece to be the centerpiece of this big party scene. That could not have worked out better. It could not have. And Dita Vontese talked about her involvement to Vogue, saying, Olivia was the one that suggested I be blonde. And I was like, well, I have a great blonde wig right here. It was fun. Because <laughs> I was like, when I first saw this, I saw her and I was like, oh, she's gorgeous. She looks familiar, but like, I don't know. And right. I, I watched the, the most recent season of um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel has a lot of like burlesque dancers in it. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm just thinking of like the latest season of that. And then when I was doing research and saw it was Dita Von Teese, I was like, oh my gosh, of course that's her. Like, right. <laughs> She is so spectacular in this film. I mean, I've always wanted to see a Dita Von Teese show because this is kind of mm-hmm. typical to her tour where she dances in the glass and it's so beautiful. I've actually met Dita Von Teese once in my life. really, And it was one of the most intimidating moments ever. <laughs> I like was standing next to her at a party and I said something like, hello. And she's very... When I say me, I mean very loosely me. She mm-hmm. like said hello back, but she's very exactly how you imagine her. She's like very quiet and very like she's a real person. She's just like shy and quiet and cute. But then also at the same time, she has such like a strong, powerful energy mm-hmm. where, yeah, so cool. I mean, I wa- I just watched her walk around a party and I was like, well, that's Dita Von Teese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this night couldn't get better. <laughs> right. uh, the night could get better f- <laughs> for Florence Pugh's character. And Ariane talked about the scene a little bit more to MSN saying, so it worked out having Dita. And that was really fun to have her there because I think that really added to that sexual tension that was on the page and the debauchery and the decadence of that scene. For me, I think that was really fun. And I love doing those costumes. I asked Bulgari, who's a really famous jewelry brand, if we could use some of their high archival jewelry. So that was really fun. So they went all Mm. out for this scene. Right. I'm not a big jewelry person, but like I could tell just watching this film that the jewelry was on point at all times. It was very, very, you could tell, expensive. It absolutely was. And everybody, everybody looks expensive. Everybody. And I mean, it's a virtual world, so everybody can look expensive and have those expensive things. What I found really interesting about this scene was she's supposed to be wearing this is a dress from her husband, Jack, which It's very beautiful, like nothing else to stress, but I'm like, it's not very, it doesn't complement Florence Pugh very well. Like it kind of makes her fade into the background, like, cause it's like, it's peachy. It kind of like, it's, she kind of like just turns into this like, you know, solid color. And I'm like, I wonder if that's cause she feels so detached from all these people now. Yeah, I mean, she's not on her A game. She's, you know, like we said, she has all the amazing clothes, so it's a great look. But is it right for the moment? Maybe not, because maybe her head's just, like, not in the game, you know? She's just like, okay, put on this Mm -hmm. very expensive gown, but she's focused on what the hell's going on here. Yeah, she doesn't get it. And one of the things that keeps flashing up and is very creepy are these dancers And when talking about choosing a blonde wig, Dita said to Vogue, I think Olivia wanted to tie in the busby 
Berkeley type girls with the blonde wigs who were in the weird flashback thing. Mm, that's and interesting. She was right. So Busby Berkeley was a director and choreographer known for creating extravagant and iconic dance numbers during the 30s and 40s, including those in 42nd Street and Zigfield Girl. His signature was creating geometric shapes to be filmed from above. Wow, that's interesting. It, that's so funny they said it because it was like recognizable. Mm-hmm. But for me, I wasn't totally understanding what the reference was. But now they say that makes total sense. Yeah. And it's like because I have their pictures down here and it's like, oh, yeah, like I recognize this is just looks like a generic like, you know, golden age of Hollywood extravagant dance number. And that's totally what they were going for. But they kind of like flipped the color palette Mm, and did like, okay, the shockingly like blonde hair, but like very dark, kind of like it reminds me of uh, the Barbie black and white Chevron (laughs) bathing suit. Like that's kind of what they did, but it's like modernized as a two piece. Yeah. It went very like American horror story in a way. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's so creepy. Um, I was confused what was happening and I loved it. You know, sometimes it's okay to be confused mm-hmm. <laughs> and just a little terrified. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Fantastic costumes on those random flashback scenes. Which, yeah. Well, I think the, I think the dancing girls are like the brainwashing bit of it. Right. Yeah. Which is just even more confusing. Yeah. What was beyond confusing was the jump scare. (laughs) The jump scare I kept getting from seeing the very sad Harry Styles character when they showed the real life. This is when the film started getting scary for me. And it's not because Harry Styles looks so bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it is because Harry Styles looks so bad. (laughs) I was like, what is happening here? (laughs) When he, his hair's a mess. He's wearing very dumpy clothes. Actually, one of his outfits kind of reminds me of an outfit I have, which is not making me feel too hot right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, very terrifying. (laughs) Perfect costuming. It was like Ariane created this very perfect world. And then Mm -hmm. Olivia Wilde was like, okay, now I need you to do the opposite of everything, everything you've been doing. Yeah. And that's where we got these Frank looks. Horrifying. Yes. Horrifying. I was so confused. Okay, so I um, until these flashbacks started, I honestly didn't realize it was like modern day. Right. Like I thought this was going to be some like creepy post World War II like social experiment. Yeah. Um. Like I was so confused. Like in the simulation, like he does have a British accent, but it's not like a. I, I like it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't really sound like him. At least I didn't think it did. Mm-hmm. And I kept expecting it to be like, oh, they met during the war. She was a nurse. He was a soldier. <laughs> they met in England. Like, I expected them to have, like, this, like, epic, like, romance story. Right. And then they just didn't. And then this was it. And I was like, oh. Yeah. It was he's unsettling. He's just a pathetic, sad man who can't find a job. <laughs> it was and unsettling. I'm like, he's married to, like, or dating. I don't know if they're actually married in real life. Yeah, You're a doctor, know. a surgeon. Like, I'm sure she has more than enough money for the two of you in this apartment. Right. Like. (laughs) I thought it was so creepy and so perfect. And it was a great commenter in our regular world. Like, to me, this was that guy who's, you know, sitting at home, fighting on Twitter all day. You know, maybe 
Alexa doesn't go your way, so you feel the need to get up and storm like our nation's capital. <laughs> like suddenly I started getting really freaked out. Yes. And I just thought Olivia Wilde deserves some pretty good credit for this film because despite yeah. all the drama that happened before this film, I still feel like she put forward a pretty creepy, strong story that had a lot of real world commentary. So I'll say I liked it enough that I want to watch her first film now, Booksmart. I like mm. really want to watch that now because I'm like, oh, okay, what else have you done? Yeah. Because before this, I only knew knew her from House. Like I only knew her <laughs> House character. That's how I knew her. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really know a lot of roles she's been in. I, it's so weird. It's like I know her, but I'm like I don't really know what she's done. So, but um, yeah, I thought she did great. We didn't really talk about her in this film uh, too much, but I thought her costumes as Bunny was always on point. Oh yeah. And I also noticed, like, as Bunny, she's the most, like, extravagantly dressed. She ha- she always has the, like, the funnest outfits. Like, yeah. always- she's, like, totally into it. And I'm like, I think that's because she knows it's not real. Yeah. So she just. Yeah, she's totally, like, leaning into it. She's like, yeah. I'm going to make sure I have the best costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> she's, like, she went into this with her eyes open. And so she's building the life she wants. Like right. she wanted this, so she's taking full advantage of it. That's so wild, and it's like she's like. It, this all reminds me very much of like a video game. I mean, I'm a nerd mm-hmm. right here. I play Grand Theft Auto. It's like that person who's like mastered Grand Theft Auto, and she has like every single piece of clothing unlocked yeah. in this game. You know, she's just <laughs> mastered mm-hmm. it. Meanwhile, yeah. she has her husband Nick Kroll, which now that I know the plot to this movie, it's very perfect for someone like Nick Kroll, mm-hmm. where I imagine him being in the real world, probably being all dumpy, gets put into <laughs> this crazy universe. It's just I don't know. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now I Olivia Wilde think about a TV app that adaptation of this. Mm. Yeah, probably not going to happen after the way people treated this movie. But if she were to go for it, I would vote in favor. Oh, I would vote in favor, too. I was like, I want to know how Chris Pine thought about this. Although I want to say, I think it was Gemma Chen's character. I think she's Mm. the one that actually came up with it. He just had the charisma to create this weird cult around it. I think it's all super hyper bro situation. This is just giving me white man syndrome all over <laughs> yeah and with that <laughs> let's take a little break and when we come back we will play our favorite game for the first time in this season What's up, costume nerds? This is Spencer, co-host and producer of the Art of Costume blogcast. I love the simple things in life. Free parking, air conditioning, and a nice comfortable hoodie. If you feel the same way, then I'm here to let you know that if you wanted to support our show, you can head over to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. There you can buy awesome blogcast merch through TeePublic, such as t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and stickers. We even have a baby onesie for all those baby costume designers out there. To get your merch, head over to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. Thank you for all your support. Spencer, are you ready? 
I am. Hit it, Daniel. The one costume to rule them all. Um, I think I'll go first this time around. My one costume to rule them all actually was kind of challenging because there were so many that I loved. I was really torn between Bunny and her costumes because they're so high fashion. But, of course, I went to Florence Pugh and Alice because her costumes had so much meaning. Particularly, I loved the costume she wears when she arrives back from the dungeon. (laughs) Because it's so, like, dramatic. The floral print is wild. And to me, it's just like, it's the men of this universe trying to, um, what's the word? Kind of make everything seem like everything's just perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. And she looks happy. She's glowing. Her dress is so out there. So I just thought there was so much like story built into this one costume. So that was my one costume to rule them all. I like it. Yeah. It's very, it's floral. It's delicate. It shows off all her curves. Like it is very much like you said, like, the fantasy of what Jack wants her to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, however, went for her next look, which is the little white dress that gets stained with Jack's blood. And I will say <laughs> my one costume rule them all is after the dress gets stained with Jack's blood. Right. Because it's like she knows what she has to do now. She knows she's been screwed over. That mm-hmm. her entire life has been taken from her. And like she now knows exactly why she felt like she was going crazy. And it's because her significant other like basically kidnapped her and is holding Ugh. her hostage. Yeah. Ugh, so creepy. I just got chills. And it's the stain on her dress is what starts to alert everybody. You know, everyone yeah. sees the blood and they're like, uh, there's no blood in this universe. Yeah. Like, what's happening here? And things start exploding and like all sorts of just everything just starts falling apart. Oh, my gosh. The one wife with the very like short hair. I'm forgetting her name. But like the look on her face is like she's starting to think of some like realize something's not right too right her husband quote unquote is like freaking out (laughs) nick kroll is like trying to hold it together unsuccessfully (laughs) yeah because he definitely knows what's going on the whole thing is glitching out and yeah that's actually one of my favorite costumes Mm -hmm. as well so great choice elizabeth thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) spencer I am just so excited for this new season. I feel like we have a great lineup and we have a little bit of a different schedule. Right. So just so everyone knows, Elizabeth and I have already kind of planned out the entire year. We have so many great episodes this season. I don't think there's a single episode that I'm not excited for. However, at the moment, we are kind of switching up our schedule. We will be releasing episodes on Tuesdays, but every other Tuesday at the moment. Um, as you all know, this podcast is a lot and we love this podcast, but sometimes we need a little bit more time to get things ready. So for the time being, we're going every other week. We're not saying that's permanent. We don't really know. Um, but you know, we're still going to be giving you some really quality episodes and we're really excited about that. Yeah. And also keep your eyes out for bonus content. We're not going to stop doing that. So always, always keep an eye out for bonus episodes. Yeah, I think that's one of the main reasons why is because we have so many bonus episodes <laughs> happening this year. So you'll probably still be hearing us on a pretty regular basis. 
And with that, if you love this episode and you want to tell us what your favorite costume was, we still have our voicemail number set up at 626-515-1826. Or if you just want to email us and tell us what you thought, you could email us at the Art of Costume Blogcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to read your comments. Yes. And talking about our stellar lineup, Spencer, what are we watching next week? I am so excited. You all know we're excited. We have to talk about the new Netflix series Wednesday with Jenna Ortega. Oh, man, this show was this is one of my watches during the break and mm-hmm. it did not disappoint. And just at the time of this recording, it got renewed for season two. Yesterday. Yes. Yes. I'm so. so excited. I can't believe I watched this before you and I was because I was like right there for it. And right. I was like, oh, my gosh, we're definitely doing this series on the podcast. Right. I want to watch immediately, but I was like, I need that time off so I could lock myself in my cave and mm-hmm. just power through it. And it was worth the wait. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in the meantime, if you're missing our voices and you just want some more costume content, you can give us a little follow at the Art of Costume Pod on Instagram or at the Art of Costume on TikTok. You could also, like, if you just want, like, a snuggly little Art of Costume blogcast sweatshirt, <laughs> you can get that at theartofcostume.com slash podstore. Also, if you really liked what you heard, we would absolutely love it if you could leave us a little five-star text review. We greatly, greatly appreciate them. This has been such a fun episode, and we will see you all soon to talk about Wednesday. Bye-bye. Bye. The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. Or you can head over to patreon.com slash theartofcostume for some bonus content. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. Okay, Danny, you could probably save this for the the bloopers, but cats, uh, Elizabeth's cat just set itself on fire. <laughs> That's pretty wild. <laughs> what the fuck? I thought that was the end for her. <laughs> I'm not a superstitious person, but I am a little stitious. <laughs> what does that say about our recording? I don't know. Oh. Okay, we have to start back. Okay.